Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ahoy Mets fans, we're back with another podcast because shit keeps happening. Um, I am Brian, with me tonight are Lucas and Allison. And uh, friends, tonight the Mets made two major moves. They brought back Brandon Nimmo on an eight-year contract um, worth a hundred and was it $62 million? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And... um, also signed reliever David Robertson to a one-year $10 million contract. As Anthony DeComo tweeted about an hour ago, the Mets have spent almost $400 million on new contracts this offseason, which represents just over 2% of Steve Cohen's reported net worth. <laughs> Having the richest owner absolutely rules. <laughs> I, I don't know how he's going to buy three new paper mache art installations, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Won't someone think of the art? Exactly. Uh, but anyway, so you know, this is a this is a, a new feeling as a Mets fan, just to have all of these players show up in relatively quick succession. You know, Allison and I were talking off the air about how six days ago she and I podcasted about how DeGrom was was no longer a Met and how things seemed pretty bleak at that point. And I don't think I could have ever expected all of these moves to have happened in just one week. And since we recorded yesterday, the Mets traded for a lefty reliever from the Rays who happens to be a homophobe. So fuck that guy. But he's our homophobe, I guess. Um, and also took an interesting arm in the rule five draft. 
there's just a lot happening with the Mets right now, and it can be a little bit dizzying to talk about. But let's, so let's just start by focusing on Nimmo. Allison, what was your optimism of Nimmo being a Met at the start of this offseason? I'll do an aside quickly uh, before I get to like my percentage certainty that Nimmo was going <laughs> to stay on the Mets and say okay. that I don't think we want to know uh, if Nimmo had been a Tampa Bay Ray, what he would have done on Pride Night. I'll just throw Correct. that out there Correct. real quick. Yes. Um, that said, <laughs> uh, as far as like, uh, like if I had to go like zero percent means like I don't think he, like I was not confident that he was going to come back at all. I didn't think he would be a Met next year to 100 percent. He was going to be a Met. I don't know. Like I th- I think my confidence at the beginning of the offseason would have been like 40 hmm, percent. Lucas, was yours wildly different than that? Uh, no, I mean, I think that sounds about right at the start of the offseason. Um, and it quickly dropped for me. Uh, it, it seemed like all the signs we were getting were that uh, uh, Nemo would not be back with the Mets. And hey, as I am wont to do in the Mason Avenue Slack, I would not shut the fuck up about the importance of re-signing Nemo. Like, in my mind, this was the most important move for them to make this offseason. And for much of the last, I don't know, month or so, it seemed like the Mets were content to let him walk and sign Kevin Kiermaier to play center field instead. So uh, I was I was pretty pessimistic on this front as of like, I don't know, three days ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the combination of his agent, Scott Boris, and the amount that was spent on starting pitching this week and the knowledge that apparently the Mets are still in on Senga despite all of this. I mm-hmm. really thought that the Mets were going to prioritize pitching over everything else this offseason, and we're going to maybe go a little bit bargain basement on a center fielder to further facilitate that. But it appears that was an unfounded fear because the Mets are trying to do everything. And so I I would have said at the beginning of the offseason, about a 50-50 shot of Nimmo returning. If you would ask me on Monday or Tuesday, I'd have said about a probably a 40% chance of him returning, maybe 30% chance of him returning. And, you know, here we are. And yes, the contract is quite long, but Nimmo's offensive skills seem like the kind that will age pretty well. You know, he has one of the best eyes in baseball. He does not chase pitches at all. That sort of stuff doesn't tend to go away. He will not be a center fielder probably for all of this contract, but he'll be for enough of it that we don't have to worry about that right this second. Um, you know, I the biggest concern for me is just that he has not been healthy the entire – not even – I mean, almost no player is healthy over the course of their, of their career thus far – but he has only had, I think, is, is it two seasons where he didn't miss significant time with injury? That sounds right. And it, I think it's actually been the last two seasons. So, and I think that has to count for something. Um, and certainly earlier in his career, he was dealing with, with knee injuries that bordered on chronic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, he missed time in 2021. What am I talking about? Yeah, didn't he have the... Was that the hamstring or... Uh, did he get hit by a pitch? That's probably happened? likely. What the hell happened to Demo in 2021? I don't remember. Um, 
certainly as a prospect though, he, he was dealing with some kind of recurring knee, knee issues uh, to the point where there was pretty widespread consensus that he had lost enough athleticism that he wasn't going to project to center field anymore. Yeah, just um, just noting, twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two were the only seasons he played more than a hundred games. Yeah, I mean, he played the whole pandemic shortened season, but who knows what have happened? What would have happened there? Right, right. Um, look, look, I, I'm a sucker for OBP types, and Brandon Nimmo definitely falls into that bucket. He's arguably got the best eye in baseball outside of Juan Soto and Joey Votto. Um, and might even be better than Votto at this point since Votto's in the twilight of his career, unfortunately. Um, I agree with you, Brian, that he's a skill set that's going to age pretty well. Like he's not dependent on high level athleticism. Uh, he's not dependent on a lot of raw strength. Um, his defense and center has improved enough in the last couple of years that I think you can leverage it for the next two to three seasons. And then Starling Marte is off the books and you put Nemo in a corner instead. Um, like, I think there's a pretty natural transition point there in a couple of years. And if you, if you're paying Brandon Nemo $20 million a year between uh, 2027 to 2030, uh, to be a high on base percentage, solid defender in a corner, that's still a pretty valuable uh, asset right there, I would say. Um, I mean, that's essentially what Mark Canna is doing for them yeah, now exactly. at the right. same like price, like yeah, a little $13 million. Little, $13 million now is going to be the same as $20 million in 2026. Exactly. Exactly. Really yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most important thing here is that there were literally no options aside from Nemo. Right. There was nothing else the Mets could do in center field that was going to be adequate. Um, we've heard talk about moving Starling Marte to center field again. Starling Marte is 34 years old and just had core muscle surgery. Uh, that's not They didn't sign Cody Bellinger, who might have been the next best option. They weren't going to sign Aaron Judge uh, or that massive deal he received from the Yankees. And I don't think anyone was going to really sign him away from the Yankees. Um the trade options are like Brian Reynolds, who isn't a real center fielder, and that's the end of the list. Uh, and then you're left thinking about, like I alluded to earlier, Kevin Kiermaier starting center fielder, um, which is a pretty bleak picture, right? Like the Dodgers can get away with maybe having Kevin Kiermaier as their starting center fielder because they're good enough everywhere else. Uh, the Mets do not have that luxury. Um, so, you at least to me, this was the move they had to make all offseason, and I'm very glad that they either knew it the whole time and were bluffing or finally realized it and said, fuck it, we'll, we'll pay the man. And uh, this is this is very good. It's something that absolutely had to happen. Yeah. This essentially makes Nimmo a met for his entire career. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah you know, like he might – he might get like it depends on what, like how this contract goes, obviously, and he might, you know, end up with like like bouncing around at age, you know, like 36 or whatever. But like that's not position players don't usually end up like having much of a career in their late 30s, except for the select few. Right. And so mm-hmm. this is really like th- like this is the man's career right here. Um, and now he's going to be in New York Met for basically his entire career, or at least his entire prime, which is kind of cool. And like the Mets have an opportunity now to like 
you know, sign, extend Pete Alonso and maybe even extend Jeff McNeil. Obviously, that would be like a much smaller extension than the Alonso extension. But like then you kind of have like three guys, those three guys plus Lindor as your core for the foreseeable future. And that's pretty cool. That's like something to build around, actually. And that's Mm -hmm. that's that's also not accounting for if they're, you know, rookie played 10 games so far catcher turns out to be the real deal also mm-hmm. that, then you've or got Brett Beatty turns out to be the real deal right right that you know then you have five six guys now granted none of those guys are pitchers right but you have you have five sure. or six guys to build around and you know then you can then you can do a lot there's lots of creative things you can do if you have that core that you know is going to be there um mm-hmm. you know, he, he, here's my big Nimmo question because I think that Nimmo is going to be essentially the bat the Mets sign this offseason. There might be some, you know, a bench piece here and there, but I think that the amount of money they're committing to Nimmo and the amount that they're going after with Senga with, if that happens, I don't think the Mets are going to make another big offensive splash. Mm-hmm. The one of the problems with the Mets down the stretch was their offense just died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We feel like this is enough going forward. Yes and no. Um, look, if you look at the aggregate numbers, the Mets had a pretty good offense overall. Um, I would, I should have prepared. I know what I'm doing. Uh, let's use Fangraphs because that's the easier leaderboard. I mean, the Mets had the third best way to run graded plus of baseball last year, and. That stat's not perfect, certainly, but but that counts for something, right? Their offense was quite good, 60% above league, league average for the season. Um, and they had an unfortunately timed slump there at the end, and they are also kind of middling in terms of power. Uh, they're like middle of the 16th in terms of ISO, right? So there's, it's definitely an on-base percentage, uh, singles and doubles-laded lineup without a lot of speed as opposed to one that's going to, bop you out of the ballpark a lot of the time um so i think big picture they're probably fine but it might have been nice to get a little more thump into the lineup just to change the shape of the offense at the same time i don't know how you do that given the number of entrenched pieces on this roster like where are you inserting who are you upgrading over with a real power bat given the current lineup without spending $40 million, $400 million almost on, on Aaron Judge or something. Yeah, that's the Aaron Judge was really the only way, right? Um, unless I would argue Trey Turner like was a giant way as well. trade. Yeah, Trey Turner, but he's not he's not a blow your mind power guy. No, but yeah. I think that he I think by I mean, look, and he'd be a, leading off, too. So that's just a lot of solo homers he might hit. I, I would just say that at a certain point, if you keep adding enough Trey Turner, Brandon, and most of your lineup, it sort of takes away the need for as much power. Because I mean, those, those those guys are on-base machines, and if everyone's on base that often, people are going to score. Yeah, I mean, that was the 2022 Mets, right? I think it's right. fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like Lucas said, like, they had an unfortunately timed slump. I, It's hard to say how much of that was stochastic and how much of that was... Like they were all exhausted by the end of the season. If the, mm-hmm. if it's the latter, then that's kind of like a systemic problem of the roster being like a bit aged, you know, except for like Pete Alonzo, basically, like pretty much everyone is like 
30 or older. I mean, Francisco Lindor is Francisco Lindor 29 or yeah, I mean, yeah. but I think he, even Pete and uh, Lindor were were slumping a bit down at the end the of the season. Yes. It was like it was the Eduardo. Is Eduardo Escobar going to drive in six tonight? Yeah, no, yeah. then we're going to lose. It was the <laughs> month of Escobar came alive and like everyone else, uh, everyone else disappeared. Right. So, yeah, like, I don't know if that if the fact that the lineups, the average age of the Mets roster is quite old is the issue here or if it's like just if it was just like rotten luck. Right. Because like you know, the Mets offense overall over the course of the entire season of much larger sample size, like it was very good. So yes. like just yes. on paper, I think that what the Mets have done is sufficient. I would like I will- to retract my Pete slander real quick. He had a 161 weighted runs graded plus in September and October. Uh, my memory is garbage. Uh, sorry, Pete. Uh, I-, I would also like to say that and I've said this on a number of podcasts and it's almost always met with groans. So I'm just pre-warning both the co-host and the listener here. I think that if you had replayed the last 10 weeks of the season, a hundred times, Darren Ruff would have been better than he was 99 of those times. I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. And I think that if Vogelback did not get his hamstring injury that he got, he would have had a substantially better second half as well. And if those two guys just had, you know, equal a passable DH for the Mets, I think that the Braves would never have caught the Mets. It would have been very close, but if those two guys could have contributed a win or two to the stretch Mets, I think it's a very different postseason. And I think the offense will be, at least going into the season, the offense should look better, right? We don't have J.D. Davis and Dom Smith at DH. We have Daniel Vogelbach. That's an upgrade. I still think they're going to wind up carrying Francisco Alvarez over James McCann on the, the roster. And maybe I'm overly optimistic on that front, but if they do that, that's an upgrade as well. Um, the best thing I think they can do, and, and we didn't even mention that, that Starling Marte being out of the lineup down the stretch really did actually hurt yes, a lot. Yes, hurt quite a bit. Yes. Huge problem. So I think, and you're looking at an outfield situation, we've already talked about Nimmo's health challenges. Uh, Mark Canna needs to have his hip managed uh, uh, pretty extensively. And Starling Marte has a checkered health history in his own right and is also 35, going to be 35 next year or 34. Um, what was missing from this roster last year, among many other things, was a really competent fourth outfielder. Um, so I think that's something they need to add here so that they can more effectively load manage these guys and hopefully that allows you to uh uh keep things together better down the stretch um and i'm not trying to i mean the mets deserve a little bit of credit because they did a better job than in years past of load managing but it was with guys like travis jankowski and and i mean tyler naquin was okay but you want to do better than that when you're load managing maybe that gets you an extra win maybe you're okay then benching Marte for an extra couple days things like that um, and that in turn might allow you to keep the roster healthier. Um, but just in terms of a big addition outside of like signing Carlos Correa to play third base or something, I, I, I don't know that there was really a way to make a significant upgrade to this offense without trying to shuffle like Vogelbach out. And I don't know that there were a ton of really feasible ways that that would have achieved that. That's fair. 
I also uh, think that like you can if it, it uh, th- this goes back to if Brett Beatty is the real deal, right? Like if Brett Beatty is the real deal, then you can use Eduardo Escobar as a DH option, which is like that is an upgrade over Darren Ruff. Um, yeah. And, and then you have both Escobar and Louis Guillaume to play kind of all over the field and give folks exactly. a day off. And, exactly. and and I know that Guillaume, that's his primary job. But if you can have two folks that can do that, that that re- without losing without totally losing offense because of it. That's and Guillaume had a fantastic season last season. And like he's if that if last season is like what Luis Guillaume is now, that's great for the Mets. Like that's a huge plus for the Mets. I think in an ideal world, they go into the into next season with the starting lineup we all expect. Um uh so I'm not gonna say Alvarez starting a catcher, but then Alonso, McNeil, Lindor, Escobar, Canna, Nimo Marte. Um, and then a bench of Nito, Giorme, Ruff, and then a real quality fourth outfielder. Like that'd be the ideal situation. Because then, to Allison's point, you're not reliant on Brett Beatty, but if he's killing it in triple A and some or somebody gets hurt and he comes up and works out really well suddenly you can start shuffling whoever is struggling from that bench group in and out as necessary. Um, and I do think it's pretty, like, I think there are some quite serviceable, serviceable fourth outfield options on uh, the free agent market. Um, I don't think they're done adding uh, by any means there. Uh, so if they, that's kind of the last piece that's missing on offense for me. And then obviously finding someone to take James McCann, like, does anyone want to lightly use James McCann, please? Bueller. Anyone? Bueller. <laughs> the problem is he's not so lightly used. Yeah. Uh, he didn't you know. play that much last year. Like, yes, yeah, it's true. true. <laughs> he didn't play that much last year. That's true, I suppose. Possible fourth outfielders. Yeah, the annoying thing is that the handedness doesn't quite line up, right? You almost want an extra righty to platoon with Vogelback. And also a lefty to spell rough, to spell rough and uh, uh, Marte. Um, I think I lean towards getting someone who's a lefty hitter, uh, and then you're looking at someone like I don't know Corey Dickerson, not a bad option. Robbie Michael Brody. Conforto, come on down. Hey, I'd be here. That's for not it. a bad idea. I'm not opposed to Michael Conforto being the fourth outfielder. I'm pretty sure he'll want to sign somewhere where he actually gets to start. And, exactly. and I think he, like, he will get a starting job somewhere. Yeah, like he probably should. Like some bad, like the Tigers should give him 600 at-bats. Or the Angels should give him 600 at-bats. Something like that. Um, ben Gamble is okay. It'd be nice if there was a, a real backup center fielder here as well. But I don't know that there is one. And you could live with putting Mark Canna in center every once in a while, I think. Like it's not catastrophic uh so i just signed one of these guys so we're not reliant on i mean the mets have basically zero outfield depth they have to do something here so so they don't even have jank mangum anymore you guys oh god no panic (laughs) panic i mean i liked look like uh jeff and jared didn't even put jake mangum in the Mets' top 20 prospects with baseball prospectus and and they know more than me certainly i had mangum that's top 20, but this is a thin system. 
and he wasn't a top 20 guy. Like, let's let's all take a deep breath. Trading him for Eliezer Hernandez and uh, uh, Jeff Brigham is, is a still a good deal. Um, the world is not going to end because we gave up a 27-year-old fourth outfield prospect. Exactly. And I think that that, that is something that people uh, – look, we all love hug, hugging prospects. I get it. Totally get it. And he may wind up being something – that is, you know, better than we had anticipated. But that's that's the price of doing business. Some, and it some... doesn't matter when you're when your team is owned by Steve Cohen and you can simply throw money at any problem. Exactly. Exactly. Um Raymel Tapia, though I've never been a fan of his. Again, someone Jeff would probably be very excited about the Mets bringing in. I mean, that's not a bad idea. I like his swing is awful, but I hate I hate. I hate Raymond Tapia just aesthetically. But like as as that. a fourth outfielder, it's like not the worst idea. Yeah. It's better than options, like dude. any of the internal options that the Mets do have. better than Travis Jankowski, basically. Yes. And yes. That's essentially the, the goal. Or like hard, Tyler hard, Naquin. Yeah. Well the hard the hard part is that Naquin actually sort of is like the platonic ideal of what you'd want a fourth outfielder to be, just a little bit better. But yeah, a guy a guy you that want a little of, better. A guy that can fake it, I guess, in center field, maybe for a couple of innings, but is really a corner guy who has some power, who has a little speed. Like that's that you want to your fourth outfielder kind of has to be a jack of all trades, right? And uh, Naquin was almost that, but not quite. I would, I think I'm, I'm like, as I'm flipping through the MLBT uh, trade rumors free agent list here, like Ben Gamble strikes me as maybe the, the best option here. He fits that stretched in center, but fine in a corner description, at least historically. I'd have to check what his stat cast numbers were this past season. Um, but in terms of splits, uh, he had a last season, he had a come on, mouse. 112 would run created plus versus righties and a 56 versus lefties, right? So you can use him to spell Marte and or Canna against like bad righties. You can very easily make sure he never sees a lefty if he's a bench bat and you can actually extract some, some value from him at what I imagine would be a very low price. Uh, like I don't think Ben Gamble's getting a ton of money uh, from anyone this off season. Ben, uh, ben Gamble looking at, I'm looking at his savant page now and, uh, Outs above average eighth percentile. Ooh, <laughs> that's okay. not good. That's not, not ideal. Defense had gone that low. <laughs> not great. But... To be fair, like, any of the names we're mentioning could very well sign with the Mets in February. Yes. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. There is there is no real urgency here. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Speaking of urgency, you know, we had talked yesterday about how the Mets were throwing a lot of bodies at the bullpen problem, but that we felt like there maybe needed to be one or two bigger signings to make things feel more comfortable. And right now we can say that that process has begun with David Robertson signing a one year, $10 million contract. Now, usual caveats apply. Relief pitching is a notoriously volatile um, projection system, but Robertson's been as consistent and as successful as any 14-year veteran I think you can talk about from the bullpen. Um, it's a one-year deal. Uh, you know, as as many have said, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. $10 million is not a lot of money in today's baseball terms for a player of Robertson's quality. He has... Um, he has found ways to win despite having a high walk rate. His strikeouts are still very high on a rate level. Uh, somehow he has he's still striking out over 11 per nine innings as of last season. And, uh, you know, I think I'd prefer Adovino if it was an either or, but it's a pretty close contest for me. And I think there's still a chance Adovino comes back too. So what do you folks think about David Robertson? No complaints. That's a great signing Um, on a one year deal, especially. Heck, yeah, I I'm all in on that. That's great. Um, I I mean, I wanted the Mets to trade for him when at the trade deadline desperately because they really needed another, you know, another relief pitcher. They get Michael Givens instead, who is not as good. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I know David Robertson. I know the struggles that David Robertson had down the stretch. I know. Um, But I think that's because he was used very heavily <laughs> we'll say yeah, that because everyone else in that village opens terrible yeah it was basically him and sir anthony that was yeah. like yeah. that was it that was it um and so i think that it was just a man a, a bullpen management and usage problem and it, in the mets bullpen he'll he won't be as heavily used hopefully um yeah no it's a it's a great signing and now the mets bullpen is starting to look a little more filled out um, given the trade that they also made that we already mentioned. Yes. He, the, the guy that got uh, it, uh, Brooks Radley is not, uh, not the best as far as his, uh, his, yeah. his uh, views, but he's a good pitcher that much. Mm-hmm. I'll say. And, and more, more Mets probably side with him than we want to realize. Oh yeah. Look limo that that there is quite possibly the greatest tweet ever the greatest rich tweet ever was not even made by rich after the nimo signing saying that he got what his favorite president couldn't get eight years yep (laughs) (laughs) sorry it's brooks raley i keep referring to him as boo radley jokingly (laughs) and it's and it's leaked into my now i just call him boo radley without me realizing it Uh and i corrected the brooks part but i didn't correct the radley part it's brooks Mm -hmm. raley i'm sorry i thought you were like spoonerizing that somehow no i wasn't i was i i was referring to him by the nickname i've given him which is boo radley (laughs) Mm. i don't think uh, i i think uh, I might have also preferred Ottavino, but to your point, Brian, he's 
sorts of relievers are rather interchangeable, I feel. Um, I think you kind of put an offer out there and wait for one of them to take what you want to give uh, rather than chasing individual ones. There's something to be said about like the, the don't bet on your own knowledge here, right? Don't be so arrogant that your projection system or your knowledge is better than everyone else's and that you're going to be smarter or something. Just, just play the market when it comes to relievers because no one knows what the hell they're doing, frankly. Uh, when you go just, after your preferred guy and jump the market on your preferred guy, rather than like just saying a lot of these guys are interchangeable, that's how you end up giving Jerry's Familia exactly. a three-year contract. Exactly, <laughs> three-year, thirty million dollars, whatever the hell it was. That was that is that is how Frank Francisco is the uh, cornerstone of your oh, bullpen. God. Exactly. Got the Frank Francisco years. Now I still think they need another arm. Uh, because Robertson is old and uh, was was uh, like basically had like a, a two year hiatus due to injuries prior to to his bounce back last year, so I think I'd still like them to bring in another option back there. Um, I know a lot of people are clamoring for Andrew Chafin. I don't know if that'd be my choice, but um, someone else that that can maybe step up. Um, I also like that. This was something that always annoyed me during the Sandy Alderson era where the Mets had a good roster but refused to fill out the, the bullpen because they wouldn't give out multi-year deals. Um, at this point, like things have kind of uh, changed about the Mets where I think they're okay giving these shorter-term, higher-AV deals constantly because A, they don't have a budget, and B, they're just kind of buying time until they're able to develop. Uh, their own internal bullpen options, so you don't have to spend $30 million on a new bullpen every year. Um, so overall, I think this this is a good move and uh, uh, would still like to see them add someone, but it's not a disaster now if they don't add another big option back there. Hey, Jerry's familiar as a free agent again. He is, oh, yes. Oh, boy. Uh, but no, I agree with please. Lucas. I think they they're still one pen arm away from what I would call like feeling comfortable about the bullpen. Um, because I think I that like you're at the point where you have obviously you have your closer Edwin Diaz, you have him long term, you have your setup man David Robertson, and then you have Boo Radley. I'm just gonna keep calling him Boo Radley. <laughs> you have Boo Radley, who's like a like also like a you know good seventh inning like guy. You need kind of one more of that level, and then you can fill out the rest of your middle relief with like Steven Nogasek and like you know, cycle whatever dudes of the arms they've stockpiled on the fringes. Um, you, like you can fill the rest of your bullpen with that, uh, whichever, whichever emerges, whatever cream rises to the top from that group. Um, then I feel like pretty comfortable, but they need like one more, like what we would call like, I guess, established arm. I think, I think we're probably looking at, I mean, they may be done at this point, which I wouldn't be a huge fan of. But if you're looking at a bullpen of Edwin Diaz, David Robertson, uh, Brooks Raley, Boo Radley, whichever, um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Brigham, Drew Smith, Steven Nagosek, who's out of options, Zach Green, who they just selected in the Rule 5 draft, and who I actually like quite a bit. And then they add like another mid-tier lefty. That's not elite, but it's pretty solid pretty and good. it should and they have more upper minor depth than they've had in years past with Stephen Ridings, Eric Orzi, uh Bryce Montes de Oka, um 
uh, some people might say Michael and Tanya is in that group as well. Um, who'd, they get maybe, from, who'd they get from the Braves on waivers? Williams, um, William, William Woods. Woods. Yes, yes, William, William Woods. Woods. Um, who is uh, in the top 25 of their prospects, by the way, and like was a fast riser before he got hurt. And mm-hmm. like he like his injury. I mean, so he has had arm problems. Let's be clear. So like it's yes. not it's not like he's without risk. But his most recent injury that cost him like the 2022 season was not an arm injury it was an ankle injury. Yeah. So like the arm injury, yes, there's injury risk as far as like he's had all sorts of issues, but like his most recent issues are not arm yeah. issues. Yeah. Otherwise he'd John- be like, I don't know, like he would have had a chance to be like I I other like Lucas would know better than me, but like I think that like if he's not injured and like pitches the entire 2022 season, he might have been like top 15 or 10 in the Brave system. Yeah, the Brave system was thinned out a bit. I think that's possible. Um, he might have even already been in the majors for them. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, made his major league debut last year, but he made like one appearance and then had right. that ankle injury. Uh, to to which I mean, he might have been like a consistent contributor, yeah. like he yeah. would have stuck. Yeah. Um, have we mentioned John Curtis yet? No, I never even mentioned no, John. He's Curtis. part of the mix for sure. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I I do think that 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 middle of the bullpen, there's lots of players that can fit that. But I'm with you guys. They need one more like solid, reliable, uh, reliable reliever. And- Probably someone left handed, which is why people like Chafin a lot. Like I yeah. like they just don't have any left handed pitchers. Like, I mean, they have Quintana now in the rotation, but like they don't mm-hmm. they just don't have any left handed relievers. None of them. They, you need one. Like, I'm sorry. I like I mean, you need one. They have Boo Radley now. Yeah, bro. Oh, is he Ray. a lefty? He is yeah, a lefty. Really, yeah. oh. really is arguably one of the best lefty relievers in baseball, which works out. But I do think you need two. Um, yeah, you probably and at that two. point looking at Curtis, who hasn't pitched in a couple of years. Joey Lucchese, who hasn't pitched in a couple of years, and you'd probably like to keep stretched out as a starter. Uh, David Peterson, ditto, wanting to keep him stretched out as a starter. Um, uh, there was another name I had in my head, and it has left. But Curtis is righty, the, by the way. Curtis is not a lefty. Curtis is righty? Why yeah. do I keep thinking yeah. he's a lefty? It's, I thought so, too. I thought so, too. So, yeah, the lefty. Uh, let's see. On the Mets 40-man, there is also uh, Taylor Sacedo. Ah, yeah, Taylor. That's the the guy they claimed from the Blue Jays. The other. Yes. Uh, uh, oh yeah, uh, I forgot about him. Yes, I knew I was. I knew we were missing someone in that discussion. So they they have a couple. Mike and I have been calling him Sauce because of Sauce Gardner Sauce. on the yeah, Jets. There you go. Um, so look, they have they have a couple interesting options, but I think you idea. Also, we never mentioned Eliezer Hernandez, who uh, might fit better in a bullpen role. Um, this is typically this is the best relief depth the Mets have had in a decade, if not longer, like having, being able to list off the top of our heads, 10, maybe even 12 names to fill out four spots in the bullpen. And, and a lot of them having options. That's not common for this organization. Um, but you do want those guys to be fighting for an optionable spot, not penciled in Like you don't want to be relying on them. Uh, and if one or two break out, that's great. And then they can step in for injured guys or you just have a super pen. So I think they need to sign another lefty. It doesn't necessarily need to be a, a top-end guy. I, again, don't think Chapin is the best idea for some for a variety of reasons, but I wouldn't complain too much. If that's but what the mustache, Lucas, the mustache. <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, yeah, can, can I read this tweet from Joel Sherman? This no, is so good. good. Yeah, David good. Robertson, representing himself, finalized the one-year $10 million <laughs> deal with the Mets a few days back, flew to New York for a physical that he has already completed. <laughs> like, that he was... did it all himself. Yes. Good wow. for him. No, he Amazing. flew the plane. He flew the plane himself. <laughs> himself. Yep. 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 Um, gave, the, gave himself the physical. It all checked out. Um God, the lefty relievers are pretty bleak, actually, when they have to be chafed. I wouldn't ta- hate taking a chance on fixing Taylor Rogers or something. No, but... I don't. I don't know if the Mets are ready for that project. No, no. You're. I mean, this is this is what we've been saying, right? We need. They need time to build up their expertise. Now, Rogers was pretty good for most of last season, and just kind of exploded was. at the end. Yes. But who can say? Um, and I, but... I will say, like, if you're looking for a reclamation, if you're looking for a place to to reclaim your past glory the new york mets with the biggest media market in the world maybe isn't the place to do that (laughs) or is it yeah or or is it perhaps (laughs) yeah um i i usually would have done a lot more digging into these sorts of names because i'm a sicko and i love thinking about reclamation projects but haven't had as much time this year um Maybe it's changing. Point is, I think they need to. I think we all agree that they need to sign someone here, sign another fourth outfielder, and I think it seems. I am like oddly, extremely confident they're going to sign Senga. And if it was just these two minor peripheral additions and Senga to round out the offseason, like that's an incredible roster. That's pretty good. And and they're already leaking to Martino that like they're they're going for Shohei Otani next. Yeah, hell yeah, next Butter. off season, which is like wild scenes. The like Soto, what... the Soto part of that tweet made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I just... yeah, you have to expect Martino to have some nonsense in there. Come on. Yes. Like I'm just like, what is this dream world that I am living in, where this is the New York Mets? Like. I only, am flabbergasted. The only thing we'll have to do is lobby the league for a second DH so that we don't have to lose Bogey to bring in Otani. And please, <laughs> anyone who's listening, I'm extremely tongue-in-cheek. I do not actually care about losing Daniel Volkovac if it, he's replaced with Shohei Otani. I yep. mean, keep him as a bench piece just to have him around. He seems like a good He's dude. so much fun. I love yeah. I love Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah. I think Daniel Vogelbach and Shohei Otani interacting would be the oh, most fun man. thing in the entire world, honestly. That's a buddy comedy I didn't know I needed until right now. I need it. I, I have a better one. I want to I want a buddy comedy with Francisco Alvarez and Daniel Vogelbach, just the two shortest, widest, hardest swinging dudes on the planet out here. <laughs> rolling around solving crimes yes and hitting dingers yeah <laughs> did you know that chase and Shreve pitched 26 innings for the 2022 minutes i did not realize it was that many. jesus that's a lot that's yeah a, just erase that from my memory yeah that, i memory hold that too that is the opposite of how much Sean Reed Foley pitched. I would have thought that Sean Reed Foley has pitched like 50 games for the Mets over the last two seasons. It's no. like 19. It's, it is yeah. so small. I mean, he pitched like three innings in 2022 before he got hurt. Yeah. yeah. He only, he, yeah, I think he made like three or four appearances. That was it. I feel like I watch way more spring training baseball than anyone else I know. And Sean Reed Foley was in like every spring, every televised spring training game had a Sean Reed Foley inning or two. So I feel like that's that's where this comes from for me. 
Um, But I mean, I I think we're all in agreement here. If they can get Senga and a fourth outfielder and a, uh, you know, a, a reliable bullpen piece, I think that's about as good of an offseason as you could have ever expected the Mets to have. When right. you when you put everything together, I think if they don't go for another bullpen arm or a fourth outfielder, to I mean, I think they're going to sign more guys that that will fill those roles. If they don't go as high as top shelf as we're hoping they go with those things, we I can live with that. But this just feels like a completely different organization than even. I mean, a, a year ago, yes, you know when Stephen Matz's agent spurned the Mets. We got Max Scherzer because of that. And, uh, you know, that felt special. But this feels like, I mean, Cohen truly doesn't give a fuck. No. Nope. Just... I, just want to, cool. I just want to, I just want to, I want to read a tweet from our old friend. And by friend, I mean nemesis. So frenemy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Matt mm-hmm. Eholt. Who oh, I bet you forgot existed until this moment. Get oh ready. no, because I I think I was blocked by him today. Or I, oh, if I if today? I'm not, I'm, a, I'm about to be. He he had tweeted like I broke my cardinal rule of never tweeting, and I just tweeted back. Imagine how much better the world would be if you could listen to your own advice. <laughs> so, yeah, but... well he he tw- he sure did tweet. Um, and he tweeted it's it, it is related to what you just said about Steve Cohen. So it's kind of amazing. Epler and the Mets need a three hundred sixty million dollar payroll and hand out record contracts left and right just to field a complete team. And that is on par with Atlanta. We're talking 50 million more than anyone ever. Mets Mets have to do that to win question mark. And that tweet got ratio to high heaven. And then his follow up tweet was Welp. Yep. Like. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yes, they have to do that. Who cares? It's Steve Cohen. As Brian mentioned in the open, it's 2% of his net, net worth. <laughs> so I, I mean, gives I, can a shit. Least, I can at least understand other fans of other teams complaining about this because it sucks, right? To see your rival franchise spending twice as much money as your franchise. I used to complain about the Yankees spending all the time. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. We all did. Complain about your own team not spending, not the other team spending, right? Like right. We've, we've had this discussion a million times. All of these teams can spend $250 million a year, at least. And I'm, I'm being very generous to the teams. Uh, that Cohen is spending this much is probably a little bit extreme. I don't know that every team in the league could sustainably run a $350 million payroll, but that's neither here nor there. Complain about your own team running a garbage ass payroll and and uh, uh, letting Freddie Freeman walk and, and all and all that. Who is he the halt the halt even root for? I have no idea. Does he root no. for anyone? No. He roots for sadness. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the the better tweet is the much be- much much better tweet is from our friend Vaz who tweeted me billionaire shouldn't exist Steve Cohen spends lots of money on good players for the Mets me one billionaire should exist yes which He's is not wrong. correct He is not yes. wrong that's no. correct um yeah uh all right so if Senga signs in the next couple of days we'll do another one of these. I don't know if there's any other move that I think the Mets could do 
that would get me like rely that would get me excited enough to 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 call him the the reinforcements again and say we got to do it folks we got we got a pod is there anybody else for the Will Smith signing podcast <laughs> Will Smith I think is now my preferred lefty relief target okay it, he still exists yeah he was he wasn't great but and his splits are pretty bad now but I think he's leveraged well, anyway sorry Brian go on no what I was gonna say though is like is there somebody else that you folks think is a possibility. That we could actually see signing and and need to get together to talk about. I don't think there's any other free agent signing besides Sango, like major free agent signing that's left in them. But I suppose we could end up doing another one of these pods because they made a trade. That's true. I don't even I know think. what they trade for at this point. Frankly. I don't know. Um, uh, like I'm guessing, like the only way they make a what we would call a major trade is if they don't sign Sanga, and instead they try to trade for that pitcher. pitcher. Nope, nope. Um, I mean, maybe they could trade for an elite reliever. Um, though, I don't even know who that would be, though. Like I don't, right? I don't know who that would be. And uh, the Edwin Diaz trade working out aside, I'm still generally opposed to giving up uh, a lot of prospects for high-end relief talent because the majority of the time it's not particularly sustainable. I mean, Edwin Diaz might be the is probably the best reliever of his generation at this point. Like, give it a couple more years, maybe, but uh, best re- best reliever of his reliever generation, which is a pretty short time span, but. Um, that's like the obvious hole on the roster. And I don't know that it makes much sense to, to look, if they can turn Ronnie Mauricio into a high end reliever, I will drive Ronnie Mauricio to the uh, 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 destination because whatever, but I don't know that they should be looking to make a huge splash on that. Program. Yeah. I mean, just side note here. Uh, at what point, can we say definitively that the Mets won the Edwin Diaz trade? Because there are still people who are who are litigating that online. Can we say it officially now without any qualification? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But as I said, there are still people <laughs> who are who are uh, mad about this for whatever reason. I've been reason. saying it for a long time. I'm one of the only people that said it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, I, I think there's a, I think there was, and I'm not saying Allison's wrong at the start, but I think there was an argument at the time that, hey, maybe don't do this. Um, relief pitching is volatile. Uh, just go spend money instead. And at the time, the Mets were not, they were owned by the Wilpons and they weren't spending money. Um, people then panned it too much when Kellenic blew up, right, to, to become the seventh best prospect in baseball, which I think he peaked at. Um, like the trade was way way too criticized at that point and now that Kelnick has come back down to earth uh, I think it's pretty clear that the or not, not come back down to earth but shown he can't hit in the majors it's pretty clear the Mets made the right decision um, but I think there's an element of luck there and I, I think there is a defensible position at the time that it wasn't necessarily the right thing to do but long term they've won the straight there's, there's no question yeah the, it's amazing to me though whenever Kelnick got a hit this year You'd find somebody on Twitter being like, "Yup, oh, LOL Mets," and like, and every time like Diaz, like I mean, this year Diaz wasn't blowing many saves, but like every single time Diaz did anything bad, yeah. it was always oh, Jared Kelnick, da da da, and I was like, I literally never want to hear this man's name again. Yeah, and, and I, I think I'm, ne- 
Go ahead, Lucas. I, I mean, I'm I'm taking like a pretty obnoxious front office standpoint here by saying there's even a process based argument for why this maybe wasn't right at the time. But if you're doing a retrospective analysis based on results, which is essentially what you're doing when you cite every hit or every blown save, you're just wrong. Like the Mets have like destroyed the Mariners in this trade. And it's not particularly close. Like Jared Kelly right. is not a major league hitter, almost certainly never will be a major league caliber hitter given the disaster. Like guys who have gotten off to this level of horrific start do not figure it out, period. Um, and Justin Dunn already got traded again for, uh, uh, um, oh God, Castillo. Um, and, and there's like a whatever bullpen arm. And just Gerson Bautista even still in baseball. So it, it, there is no way from a results perspective that the Mets did not absolutely win this trade. And like Let's... even the process argument, like at the time, it actually like the arguments against the trade really, to me, had nothing to do with Diaz and Kellenic. It had to do with taking Could on I... Robinson Cano's money when you yeah. were still a Wilpon owned Mets team. To me, they won the trade the second Steve Cohen became the owner of the Mets and Robinson Cano's money didn't matter anymore. And that's, that's a before really good Edwin Diaz's 2022 season and before yeah. Yeah. Edwin Diaz parlayed that into five years, 102 million. Like, I'm not pretending that I knew that I had a crystal ball and knew all these things at the time that like Edwin Diaz would be as good as he was in 2022 and end up with the Mets long term because unquestionably now that Edwin Diaz is going to end up spending all this time with the Mets like that outweighs everything else but like I say the Mets won the trade the second Steve Cohen became owner and Robinson Cano's money didn't matter anymore that's fair that's a great point to end on too um it's good to be a Mets fan today yeah yes Jacob the Gram who <laughs> um yeah yeah so uh maybe we'll do another one of these soon but we're gonna we're gonna try and keep this breaking news thing going not necessarily with i don't want to commit lucas and allison to doing these with me but you're trying to do you know uh with whoever's around and, and th- these two are always invited top of the list uh great great podcasters but you know I don't want to commit them to every breaking news story, dropping what they're doing to come and talk about the Mets. But we're going to try to do more of these pods. Uh, Go to Amazing Avenue for more analysis. We'll have lots of words on all of these moves over the next couple of days. And remember, until next time, let's go Mets.